This is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost on 710 ESPN Seattle. You hear that music, it can only mean one thing. It's Seattle Sports at Night right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. Curtis Rogers and Stacy Rost here on this Tuesday night. Stacy, how you doing? I'm doing good. Me and Jake have been holding it down. Yeah. Like you left us. No, it's like you stood us up no, on a date. It, it's not that I yes, left it is, you. Curtis. It's that my schedule was Look, I get it. You've been pulling all nighters with the Mariners playing in Japan. Uh, Look, I understand that your job of working in sports is to cover games, but what's more important, the Mariners or me and Jake? That's do you do you want the the honest I truth? Don't, no. Okay, I think sometimes <laughs> yeah. we don't need the truth. My, I feel like my paycheck is. I think you know where it's more tied to here. All right. So, All right, that's <laughs> you know, fine. I just I didn't want to have to you know come at you like that. But here we are on this Tuesday night. Shout out to you for tuning in. Coors Light text line is there for you. Seven ten seven ten is the number to text if you've got anything on your chest you want to get off of. Uh, before we start, though, tonight, uh, I just want to send uh, our best here at Seattle Sports Tonight to our, our buddy Danny O'Neill uh, and his family. Uh, so if you've got some extra thoughts and prayers, uh, send them his way. Uh, we're definitely thinking of him and his family here over the next uh, couple of days and, and days going forward. But uh, uh, later tonight, we're going to talk a lot about the Seahawks and the NFL owners' meetings, what's going on there, what Pete Carroll has said uh, to the media He's also going to join, who is it, John Clayton tomorrow from the NFL mm-hmm. owners meeting right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. So make sure you're tuning in for that. Also, Mariners Cactus League is over, which kind of, yeah, that that's not a surprise, but it's weird how the schedule, you've got regular season games having already been played. They come back into the Cactus League the last two nights and now they're going into regular season games again. Sort of a wonky start to the season. We'll talk about that, whether that's uh, sort of a bad thing for the Mariners. But bef- let's let's just stop wasting time here, Stacy. Let's get into what is on tonight's time. I feel like you made that sound like it was my fault. Yeah, Stacey. It was accusatory. Yeah. You know what, Stacey, shut up. Stacy, I'm just going <laughs> to talk for three minutes here and just stop. Stop, okay? <laughs> my bad, my yeah. bad, you guys. Let's do this. But uh, what is on the timeline tonight? Well, Pete Carroll, he spoke to a whole bunch of media members at the NFL owners' meetings uh, down in Phoenix, talked about Doug Baldwin's health, Bobby Wagner's health, talked about Russell Wilson's contract negotiations. CJ Procise. whole lot he touched on today. We're going to get into all of that coming up here in about 10 minutes or so. Also, we'll have Brady Henderson from ESPN.com. He'll join us to start off the second hour of tonight's show. So make sure you're tuning in for that as well. Hear what he had to say on a whole bunch of people. Uh, But Pete Carroll talking, John Schneider talking. Also at the NFL owners meeting, we've got the competition committee meeting. Mm -hmm. NFL rule changes. What is in place for next season? What isn't? We'll get into all of that tonight uh, during Big If True. Yeah, no, it's good to selfishly, just as a writer, finally get... Uh, some information from from Carol, however limited it might be. I feel like you spend the off season, uh, you know, as scouring well as anyone everywhere. else, scouring everything. You're you're writing about stuff. You're covering everything, uh, and and so it's nice to be able to even just have a few minutes uh, to to get as much clarification as you can. So 
um, there's a lot to dissect, and and I think that there's uh, a lot of interesting things Carol said. Yeah, over the next month or so, we're going to get a much clearer picture on where the Seahawks offseason is headed. Uh, they're bringing in guys to interview at the VMAC. Uh, Nick Perry of the Green Bay Packers, or formerly of the Green Bay Packers, he's next in line for an interview uh, with the Seahawks brass. They brought in Aaron Lynch, uh, Jordy Nelson, another guy, uh, veteran guys who have been around the league. It doesn't seem like the Seahawks are going to go the route of a big-time free agent mm-hmm. splash, and Dominican Sue's still out there, but it doesn't look like he's going to be anywhere near the Seahawks' plans, at least for 2019. But right now, you've got the draft less than a month away, the rest of free agency still to get to, uh, and then also you've got other things like Michael Kendricks. His hearing for his sentencing has been delayed indefinitely. We don't know what's up with that. We don't know what's going on there. Uh, so as the offseason continues to progress, we're going to find out more and more about this Seahawks team and, and just where they are at if they are on their way uh, to an NFC West title or it's going to be a year where they may or may not plateau. Yeah, I know Seahawks fans aren't especially excited about some of the names that they've seen linked to Seattle, but that's because when you get to this stage of free agency, you're entering the third week. Um, the guys that are still around and still free agents are guys that maybe they have some troubling injury history. Uh, maybe they want big deals. And, you know, you look at a Sue situation where he, he's going to want a lot more than some teams are willing to pay him. Um, or you get guys like Nick Perry, who's coming in, was a top or first round pick coming out of USC. But um, well, he played for Pete Carroll. He played for Pete Carroll in his his rookie season at USC in 2009 uh, and then under Lane Kiffin uh, was drafted by the Green Bay Packers and and showed a lot of promise still but just dealt with injuries year after year after year um, just kind of a snake bitten guy and so you know I know people look at it and they think well that's not exciting but the reason you're seeing a Nick Perry come in and an Aaron Lynch come in is the Seahawks are looking to address some of those issues with those two examples the pass rush but there are guys that you're going to have to – there's a reason they're cheap. Yeah. And it's not that there isn't talent there, but it's another situation of, uh, you know, when they were looking at Deion Jordan, like a like a high-ceiling, low-risk. I know Jake used that as an example of what Aaron Lynch, as an example, isn't. But um, I don't mind that they're taking a look at Nick Perry. I think this is an example of checking out a player that Pete Carroll's familiar with Um that helps you solve a problem and you don't have a ton of cap room. No, and as we've seen in years past, the Seahawks can get the most out of defensive linemen. They can get the most out of guys who may not have had the best career so far. We saw, I think, Chris Clemens is the best example of this when they traded Daryl Tapp uh, to Philadelphia, brought Clemens over. I believe it was in Carolyn Schneider's first season in Seattle. Clemens has been kind of a journeyman guy, and then he goes out and has – I believe double digit sacks his first season and was a was an anchor on that defensive line uh in the Super Bowl year in 2013. Uh they got the most out of him. We've seen it in Deion Jordan, who had been very injury prone and also had been out of the league due to suspensions his first couple of seasons. He comes here, gets four sacks in, in limited action in 2017. Uh he had injuries last year but couldn't get it going. I think if Nick Perry finds his way onto this Seahawks roster. I think he is a prime candidate to be one of those guys that shows up in 2019 and has a a bounce-back year and and really 
flourishes and reaches that potential that I think a lot of people had for him when he was coming out of USC and when he was a first-round pick uh, back some years ago. The Mariners, they conclude their Cactus League schedule today against the San Diego Padres, and it's over. We're done playing games that don't matter. The Tokyo series should have signaled that end. Like, I don't know why they're playing these games against the Padres the last two days. Yeah, I don't know either. Like, the Mariners have played games that count. They don't need this anymore, right? Like, Yeah. No, this is, to me, like you learn to ride a bike and then you put the training wheels back on. Yeah. So just make sure. Just make sure you've got it, it down. Yeah, let's... That's not the best analogy, but it's the one that came to my mind right away. Because what I'm trying I'm to say it. is that it feels very useless. Yeah. And to me, it, I view it as... Like the Seahawks playing two exhibition games and then have their week one game in the middle of August. Mm -hmm. And then they play the next two exhibition games to round it out, even though their regular season has still technically started. Like it makes no sense to play these two games against the Padres, but they're playing them. They played them last night, only two hits, no runs. It was a terrible weather night. Like there was just no business for them to be playing this game. Yeah. And, I, I have and, nothing to add here. I'm, and, I know this isn't exciting, but I'm like, bro, hey, yeah. I see it, man. And we'll talk more about that and more about the Mariners' start of their season uh, coming up in about 20 minutes from now, but also on the timeline I just want to get to this story. Yeah, this is the craziest story of the day, and I don't think it could have happened to a— I thought it was a joke. Yeah, this is— this sounds like an Onion article Literally, or okay, something like that. When I that. saw Adam Schefter tweeted out this morning, I was like, this is such a stupid joke. Like, you could do so much better. But then I was like, you know, maybe his forte, his forte isn't jokes. His forte is yeah. reporting little news nuggets, and that's where he excels. He's not a joke writer. No. Don't be mean, Stacy. You're being a jerk. And Don't it, roll your eyes. It's too early for that kind of attitude. As we've seen in past, reporters who try to dabble in comedy, not the best Idea. It's not a great combination. No, it's not. But except for me. This yes, exactly. I mean, we're going to put you on the stand-up circuit. Like what's up with airline food? I'm Stacy Rost. I hate you. 710 ESPN <laughs> Seattle. But today an actual turkey vulture crashed into the office of ESPN Stephen A Smith at ESPN's headquarters. What is a turkey vulture? I'm googling it. It's I would imagine it's half turkey, half vulture. It looks like um, the if you can imagine the name of bald eagle, what that eagle would look like. Okay. It, yeah. You know, I mean, it, I'm not kidding. It looks like a hawk that shaved its head. If but Vin Diesel was a bird of prey. <laughs> so this turkey vulture went and crashed. It dive bombed into Stephen A. Smith's office window at ESPN's headquarters. He was not in his office at the time of the vulture launching itself, Thank projectiling God. itself. Could you imagine how what Stephen A.'s reaction would have been had he been in there? Just appalled. But, like, it was a human coming in. Like, excuse you. Yeah. What is this? And then <laughs> just saying, like, how just, he's overrated. I'm so disgusted <laughs> in this vulture. <laughs> but, no, he actually had a, a pretty nice response to it. Uh I mean, like, could you have picked a better personality or pre no, more not. Yeah, at ESPN to have this happen to? If it happened to Adam Schefter or Ian Rappaport, they wouldn't be paying attention. They would be glued to their phones. They wouldn't yeah. even look up. They'd just be like, hey, I'm busy right now. 
there'd be nothing. Stephen A. Smith, he came out with a whole video, <laughs> he did. a response video. He said, I love all of God's creatures, even turkey vultures. I mean, what else? Tip of the cap to Stephen A. making the best of a, a weird situation. Like, what? what's the protocol now? He's probably got to go to a different office for the time being until they get that window repaired. And you look at the picture of the window, like, that's a thick window. I am really glad the turkey vulture made it out alive. Yeah, that's also a surprise. This is surprising really where we should have started it. No animals were harmed. Well, yeah, maybe harmed, but it's okay. I believe it was Mike Golick Jr. who tweeted out a video of the turkey vulture still alive after its just maddening dive bomb. I thought uh, the turkey vulture was letting out a scream, but it was just someone in the background. I learned that they're normally mute. Mute. So it could have. We wouldn't have known had it been. Like there was, if you were Stephen A. Smith, and this bird comes flying at you, it wasn't going to make a sound. There's upon, no warning. Yeah, there's it's, no warning. It's a summary missile. Yeah. Oh man. Sneak attack. That's what this was. I want to know who sent it. Yeah. Who sent this turkey vulture? Could it have been the government. I mean, do they control birds? Something to think about. Chew on that <laughs> for a moment here. Seattle Sports at Night right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. Coming up to end the first hour, four down territory. Pete Carroll talking to the media at the NFL owners meetings. We'll get into what he said, what has stood out the most. Coming up next, we're actually going to get into what Pete Carroll has said at the owners meetings. That's next. Curtis Rogers, Stacey Ross, Seattle Sports at Night on 710 ESPN Seattle. You're listening to Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio on 710 ESPN Seattle. 15 minutes from now, has the start of the Mariners season left you feeling disjointed? We'll talk that coming up in about 15 minutes. Curtis Rogers and Stacey Rost holding it down here. Seattle Sports at Night coming your way here on this Tuesday. Thank you so much for stopping by making us a part of your yeah thank you so much for stopping by stacy if not it would have just been me and yeah we yeah we that was the case for six months and we all know how that turned out they're like let's get curtis some people here you can't have him talking to himself so much you're still doing it i know i am (laughs) i do that a lot (laughs) i do that all the time about 30 seconds into you saying that i just stopped listening yeah think of the people out there also what Exactly. <laughs> coming up next, uh, coming up in 15 minutes, Mariners start of the season. Uh, also tonight, we'll look over some of the new rules or lack thereof in the NFL. Uh, that's coming up at 8.30 for Big If True. But right now, Pete Carroll talking to the media assembled at the NFL owners' meetings in Phoenix. And he had a lot to say today and giving clarification to a lot of question marks surrounding certain players with the Seahawks here early on in the offseason. I mean, think about it. The offseason's what? Three weeks old? Is it three? Yeah, it's three weeks old. The offseason? Yeah, since the start of the 2019 calendar season. Because I believe they had that. This is the opening of the offseason. Oh, yeah. yeah so yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. three weeks of the new season. Yeah. Yeah, yes. So we've heard questions about Doug Baldwin. Bobby Wagner, Russell Wilson, Michael Kendricks, just so many of these guys. And now Pete Carroll giving a little more clarification as to what's going on. Pete Carroll today talked about Doug Baldwin's health 
and confirmed reports that Baldwin will, in fact, have hernia surgery next month, which would be his third operation already. Right, after operations to his, what was it, uh, knee and shoulder? Yeah, during the season. And now you've got uh, another hernia in there. Like, Doug Baldwin, he is not... He's not young in terms of NFL standards anymore, and he is so important to the Seahawks offense. And if he is unable to go for another extended period of time in 2019, I think that's a huge concern for the Seahawks. And I think it, it I think it drives home the point that this wide receiver group is not as deep as I think they hope it could be. Mm-hmm. David Moore, he showed some flash in 2018, but he wasn't a reliable target the way they probably had hoped or the way that it's kind of come to be with the Seahawks, where you have highly efficient wide receivers, guys who don't drop passes, guys who haul in just about everything that Russell Wilson puts up there, Baldwin being one of those guys. You take him away for another extended period of the season, all of a sudden now things aren't as rosy in that wide receiver group. Yeah, I don't think it's – uncommon for any team in the league to have one or two guys carry uh, most of the load uh, in terms of targets, receptions, touchdowns in that receiving group across the league. But I think what's happened for the Seahawks is they've been able to benefit from having the same guy carry that and and be mostly healthy. Um, I think it was like almost 89, coincidentally, uh, straight starts um, without missing a game before he was injured to start this season. So you've been able to have your number one guy in there. Um, And I think that this is also the first time in at least seven years that Seattle's had to wonder, um, how do we replace this person? Because he's been not just a healthy performer, but a consistent performer. Um, And so I think it was good for Seattle to see the emergence of Tyler Lockett this year. Obviously, he had a standout rookie season, um, but that was primarily on special teams. Uh, So this year he was able to come out as Seattle's uh, top receiver. But I think it again, it highlights that problem of, well, you know, if you don't have Baldwin, it's much like last year, the first time that Seattle would be entering the season with the with the mindset of we might not have this person to lean on, they might not be healthy in time, they might be dealing with some ongoing injuries, who do you have behind Tyler Lockett? Um, and I know that this is, you know, a team and this is a response that I've seen a lot of uh, fans and readers say as well, they're a run first team, you won't have to, you can, you have Chris Carson, you have Rashad Penny and, and you don't need, um, you know, all pro wide receivers. But you need a balanced offense. Yes. And you need to have guys. And, and I do think that uh, one quick solution or something that you'll probably see them do is to diversify the offense um, to get, you know, the tight ends more involved. You'll have a healthy Will Disley, presumably, to start the season. Um, to get, you know, Chris Carson and Rashad Penny, C.J. Procise, if he's healthy, um, involved in the passing game as well. Uh, J.D. McKissick as well. But, again, it's... A lot of fans haven't seen a Pete Carroll. I mean, you haven't seen a Pete Carroll tenure without Doug Baldwin um, at the helm of that. So it'll be interesting if his injuries uh, keep him out of the regular season. I look at the Seahawks offense right now and their wide receiver group especially, and I don't think we've seen a wide receiver group this thin since 2011, 
I think because you've got 2012 was really the emergence of like these guys. They've got some guys there. It was well, Golden, Tate, Golden Tate, Jermaine Curse, Doug Baldwin. Uh, and then 2013, they bring in Percy Harvin. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, just looking back on that wide receiver group, they always got thrown around with the label pedestrian. No, like that was one of the best receiver groups in hindsight yeah. in the NFL at that time, maybe even the best. And now it, it if you mentioned Tyler Lockett's emergency a year ago, if that hadn't happened, We'd be looking at like red alert, like DEFCON. What is it? One is the worst. I don't know what these words mean. Okay. (laughs) Well, if you look at the threat level, I guess, of uh, the Seahawks. Orange? Yeah. Okay. Like it would be very concerning. Okay. Because you wouldn't have had the the emergence of Tyler Lockett. And who are you going to get most of your targets to? Well, Doug Baldwin's not there. Yeah, what's um, I think what's you know a shame at least if if you're Seattle is um, you know they have tried to add to that depth and it just hasn't worked out. Seattle, John Schneider and Pete Carroll in particular as a front office got a lot of credit with that uh, 2012, 2011, 2012 uh, draft class having a lot of successful undrafted free agents, Doug Baldwin among them, um, but. They haven't managed to hit on on some picks from more recent drafts, and that is far more, I think, of a league average. I don't think it's often that you get a 2012 draft class. Um, you rarely get a ton of pro bowlers or all pro players from a single class, uh, much less from some consecutive classes. It's still great scouting, but it's just really hard to replicate that. So you saw them take an Amara Darbo um, with, a, with a third-round pick, and unfortunately, he was unable to to contribute and then um, wasn't healthy last year, returned to Seattle after being released and signing with the Patriots, and then uh, ended up, was it just on injured reserve? Or was he... Yeah, he... He had an injury designation. Had yeah, so he's still season. technically with the Seahawks. He still is technically with the Seahawks, um, but what wasn't able to see a single snap last season. Um, so you saw them try to work with that, try to address it, um, I would argue, too, the Jimmy Graham uh, acquisition was to try to address that receiving group. And, I mean, I still think the Graham hate was a little bit out. It was a little bit much. I agree because he scored scored touchdowns. He scored touchdowns and he remained their number two wide receiver. I don't think he missed a game. Outside of the ending the season with the patellar injury, he came back and – uh, was in all 16 games the following season. This isn't like a Jimmy Graham stand moment. I'm just saying they've made moves to try to help that. They just haven't managed to hit on them in a way that they've hit on some other position groups. I So when we talk about moves that the Seahawks have made in the past to try to address the wide receiver group and whether they were successful or not, you brought up the Jimmy Graham one. I look at the Percy Harvin move, and I'm of the rare opinion that I that it was think a good that it was a good trade because yeah. – the ultimate goal in football is to win a Super Bowl, is to acquire players to help you win a Super Bowl. Do the Seahawks win Super Bowl Forty Eight without Percy Harvin? Probably. But that dude was everywhere on the field that night, had the kickoff return for a touchdown that completely iced that game. Yeah. Like his impact in that punch. game. Yeah, that his impact in that game was felt. I think People All just over. look back at these trades and it's hindsight is twenty twenty, And you always see 
comments, oh, that was ridiculous. Jimmy Graham was awful. Percy Harvin was awful. You can look back now and you can say, you know what? Neither really panned out for Seattle in different ways. Uh, I think Graham was more successful here, but they weren't necessarily bad. I would say that the Percy Harvin, in theory, was a better acquisition because you didn't really change your offense to suit Graham. Um, But again, I think when these trades were done, they were seen as really exciting moves for Seattle, um, for a franchise that had a lot to build on and a lot of young talent. Um, I think they're going to address it in a different way now, not only because they don't have the depth and the the money and the draft capital to be a little experimental, um, but they've they've got a lot of holes to fill. So do you go wide receiver in the draft um, or do you do you keep plugging away at that defensive line? It'll be interesting to see how they do it. Um, I mean, outside of Amara Darbo and David Moore, I can't think of a receiver that they've drafted or am I wrong? Like in in the last couple of seasons, yeah. Jermaine Curse was undrafted. Doug Baldwin was undrafted. They tried to bring in a couple of guys. I think Chris Durham was a guy who they ended up cutting. I think he was a third or a fourth round pick. They cut him in training camp that year, which everybody's like, "Whoa, why you're cutting a fourth round pick already? Like, yeah, why would you do surprising. that?" Uh, but as it turns out, the dude didn't amount to anything in the NFL. Same. Yeah, exactly. Like you and I. Right. We, I also didn't amount to anything it, in the NFL. It wasn't for a lack of trying. It wasn't. Like, you could have... I think there was a practice squad out there with your name on it. Yeah. It wasn't for a lack of of passion. No. And work ethic. Yeah. It was your, it was your most recent passion project. Yeah. And sometimes those fall through. It happens. Billy McFarlane. Firefest. Charlie Ebersol. Would you call Firefest a passion project? Uh, I think it was just a a way to swindle people. Yeah, Yeah, I call it a scam. Yeah, yeah, that's probably what it was. Yeah, coming up in uh, about twenty minutes, four down territory. CJ Procise, what's his future with the Seahawks, if there is any? But coming up next, the Mariners have started the regular season. They've also finished off their spring training schedule. Does this start of their season leave you feeling disjointed? We talk that next. Curtis Rogers, Stacey Rost, Seattle Sports Tonight on 710 ESPN Seattle. You're listening to Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio on 710 ESPN Seattle. You can listen to the show via the 710 Sports app. It's driven by your Puget Sound Accurate Dealers. Coming up, four down territory. That's 15 minutes from now. Curtis Rogers, Stacy Ross right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. This is Seattle Sports Tonight. You can download the podcast on 710sports.com. Apple Podcasts, you can subscribe to it. Google Give us Play. five stars. Yeah, five stars. Leave us a rating. Uh, that's all you got to do, right? Like That's it's simple as that. Yeah, you don't have to listen. Just leave us the stars in the ratings. And subscribe, yeah. We need the downloads and the it's ratings. It's like using books as decoration or accessories. Yeah. You don't have to read it. Just you want, you need to look like you do. Exactly. Everybody with a bookshelf in their living room. Like, I know you didn't read all of those books. No, and but when you invite people over, you, you always got to flex and be like, oh, yeah, you know, I was reading this book. Right. My and, library over here. Yeah. And when in actuality, it's like your old high school yearbooks and you know maybe some like Harry Potter. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> the Hunger Games. <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah. Coming up in 15 minutes we got four down territory coming your way. 
uh, for the biggest questions surrounding the Seahawks right now. But the Mariners' season starts again in less than 48 hours. Thursday, they take on the Boston Red Sox at T-Mobile Park. Stacey, you're going to be out there for that one? Mm-hmm. Opening day. Well, well, no. Home opener. Yeah. It's not opening day. Even though it will have the pomp and circumstance of opening day, it's not It's not that. Unfortunately, it's also the only day this week where it's raining. Yeah, What's so they'll about? probably put the roof on. I'm upset. Would, yeah. I mean, you go to T-Mobile Park and you want the roof off no matter Unless just, there's rain in the forecast. I just don't do well with cold. So going to yeah. uh, the park before May 1st isn't ideal for me. No. And they, they raise <laughs> I the tell windows. <laughs> do you want to go cover the game? And I'm like, well, look at, it's not look at ideal your, for me. Look at the weather app on your phone. It's and It's 45 not, degrees yeah, and that's gonna blustery be a, winds. No from me. Yeah. He's going to be like, hilarious. See you later. You have to go. Ugh, Brent. Ugh, tell me about it. But the Mariners, they start against the Boston Red Sox again on Thursday. But I don't know about you, Stacey. Having the two games in Tokyo count for the regular season, them coming back to play two exhibition games this week against San Diego, and then them embarking on a four-game series against the Boston Red Sox, like, I can't deal with this starting and stopping you of the regular deal. season schedule. I can't. On I can't a scale of I can deal to I can't, are you I can't even? Ooh. Yes. I'm going to say I can't, I can't even. even. I cannot That's even. That's the highest. Yeah. Or it's um the frustration of I can't. I no, can't even. I, no, I can't even. I can't That's a 10. even with this schedule because it, it just it stops any kind of momentum it's the weird. Mariners had. After winning those two big games against Oakland, both games back and forth affairs, you had the the opening day win nine to seven, where you were down two runs, then you got five and and just held on for dear life after that, and then the twelve inning emotional game. It was Ichiro's final game in the big leagues. The Mariners holding on for dear life again, uh, you know, winning that one in extra innings. Like those are big. It is weird. Yeah, those are big emotional lifts, and now you have a week between games and you can't carry that momentum. Now you've said goodbye to someone, and you had a really good uh, goodbye, and then um, everything was cool. You were really smooth. You exited that so- social situation perfectly. But then you started walking in the, the same, same direction, oh, no. and you're like, oh, no. Yeah. Um, now this is uh, just weird. And now you've got like a whole minute of – you kind of glancing over at them, them kind of glancing over at you. Like, do you continue your goodbye? Yeah, I worked at the mall uh, after college, and I did that with my manager, who I thought was so cool and so funny. And I did the same thing where I just um, I went to the bathroom and I waited for ten minutes, oh. and then I walked out. <laughs> <laughs> but but no, it it has that uh, almost like an awkward, disjointed feeling. I know that um, you know. We all knew that this would be the schedule for Seattle, but uh, even covering it now, it just feels kind of kind of weird. And, um, yeah, it's unfortunate. Uh, I didn't watch the exhibition game yesterday, but Brent said uh, that it just looked like everyone just had jet lag. And that's a big part of it, too, is that travel. It's not just even coming from the East Coast. It's coming from your series in Japan, getting here, and it's a, a total mindset change for the guys uh, that are playing in that game. All of a sudden, you're in an exhibition game, and you're exhausted. It's 
it's kind of it's a weird disjointed feeling i'm sure yeah i was at mariners fan fest on saturday uh and looking at sort of the faces of some of the players when they were doing their dugout interviews like you could see a glazed over look on a lot of these guys because mm-hmm. they had just landed in seattle the day before and you take that what 13 14 hour flight from tokyo to seattle Gross. that's gonna mess you up the longest flight i've ever been on eight hours and that was just that was Hell! Imagine sitting to... through Avengers Endgame four times. Ugh. Ugh. I mean, I mean the it's first couple times. Three-hour movie. Yeah, the first couple times, like you'd be all right with it. At least the first time you'd be the first okay, time cool, you're fine with it. Fun. The second time you're like, okay, I'm gonna look for stuff that I missed. The third time you're like, I hate this franchise and what it stands yeah. for. Yeah, and the fourth time you're like, land this plane now, or I'm gonna contact the air marshal. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to get myself kicked off this plane. You're going to yeah. go full bridesmaids. Exactly. Just turning butter on the wing. <laughs> I uh, I mean, would you say there's there's some positive if you're Seattle? I mean, I know Malik Smith, you're going to get a little more time for him, or would that have been fine in your mind to start during the regular season? That's the biggest beneficiary of the Mariners' wonky start is you get Malik Smith healthy for a vital series against Boston because – yeah, the Mariners and the, and their plans for 2019 aren't to contend, but for the time being, like if you can stack some wins and maybe play yourself into uh, an interesting spot. Well, like, it's not to contend, but there are guys in this uh, lineup that you plan to have that are in your plans for that area when you want to contend. Yeah. So it's not like, oh, we don't care what happens with these guys. You want Malik Smith to develop and uh, some of these other guys, Justice Sheffield, uh, when they, whenever they, you know, put him out there, bring him up. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it's still worthwhile if you're the Mariners to get those guys out there. It is. It definitely is. And then you've also got, uh, you know, Wade LeBlanc, Mike Leake. They need to get their work in before they start uh, games three and four against the Red Sox. But then there's, you know, still the case of what's Felix going to do? What do you do with Felix Hernandez? Uh, Where is his spot in this rotation? He's not scheduled to pitch until April 1st, which will be a road game against the Angels. Now, with the Mariners' schedule the way it is, I think that's another thing that's worked out in their favor is that they can stash Felix and make his first start on the road rather than here in Seattle – and you don't have to worry about, oh, do we bring out the Kings court for this guy who may not be on the roster for much longer? I mean, eventually you're going to have to do that anyways or make that decision anyways. Yeah. You're but... just postponing it. It's like paying bills. Exactly. Or It's, it's going like, to have to happen. It's like uh, those crucial conversations that you've been putting off, you're putting off, putting off. It's like, I don't want to talk to this person. Like, I just, uh... But then like yeah. you catch them alone, and it's just you two – and there's a silence, an awkward silence. And then you, but, or you hope that irrational things happen, right? Like, oh, I really am not prepared to go into work uh, for this interview. What if there's an earthquake? There we go. Or it's like uh, when you know you've done something bad, so you just automatically go to your room. Yep. And your parents preempt that decision. Yeah. Your parents like find it, or you know they've found out about it. So you're just trying to avoid that conversation. Right. And then they come in your room. They pick up, like, whatever it is on your shelf. They look at it like, oh, 
They don't make them like they used to anymore. Just this to break. Feels. Yeah. I don't actually know what you're <laughs> no. talking about anymore. Did they this, do that to break. Are you the, taking a trip down memory lane? This feels probably. really personal. Yeah. Well, and then, and then they, you know, hey champ, uh, what's up? Nope. And, no. Never had this conversation. No. Never had. Oh well. No. I. I. Well, I guess maybe I'm the only one, but uh, it, it's that awkward conversation that I think the Mariners so desperately need to have with Felix. And they they've started to. Can you imagine Jerry Depoto walking in to the locker room, getting something off of a shelf, and just kind of looking at it awkwardly and saying, "You know, when I met your mom." Uh... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then Felix is like, "Dude, you're only Sir, like 15 yeah. years older than me. What are you talking about? Yeah, oh, just man. making dad jokes the entire time. <laughs> what is this? Yeah, Felix is like, I'm making." $30 million. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need this conversation. Uh, coming up next, it is time for four down territory NFL owners meetings going on. We get into more of that, including some of the biggest questions surrounding the Seahawks right now. Curtis Rogers and Stacy Rost with you. Seattle Sports Night at 710 ESPN Seattle. Live from the Alaska Airlines studio, this is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacy Rost on 710 ESPN Seattle. Coors Light text line is there for you. 710-710 is the number to text. Curtis Rogers and Stacy Rost on this Tuesday night right here on Seattle Sports at Night. Coming up. In 15 minutes, we hear from friend of the show, Brady Henderson of ESPN.com. He stops by to tell us all that's going on at the NFL's owner meetings right now. In surrounded Phoenix. by so much desert. Yeah, and chain restaurants. I wanted to ask him what it's like to not be surrounded by water. because he lives, Yeah, he lives on, on a boat. boat. Yeah. I didn't get to that joke, though. Mm. Didn't get Woulda, shoulda, coulda. <laughs> <laughs> my be- that was my best material today. Yeah. You should tweet I had it him. in my back pocket. You could tweet at him or text him. Hey, Brady. Yeah. What's it like to not not be surrounded by water on all sides? And then just silence. And then he won't respond. And then he'll block me. Yeah. Well, there are other pressing questions about the Seahawks. So let's get into those with tonight's Four Down Territory. This, this is Four Down Territory on Seattle Sports at Night. You got to dig deep, deep, deep. Four questions about the Seahawks. It's the end of the first half of the show, so we got to put seven on the board here. We're up against the clock. Stacy Ross, Seahawks Insider, 710sports.com. She is here to answer every single one of these questions. Let's get the first down. Number one. Stacy. Curtis. <laughs> I was I was hoping for that response right there. Pete Carroll talking with the media assembled in Phoenix today. What stood out to you most from what he had to say? Uh, there's two, and in, in typical Pete Carroll fashion, both are kind of vague, but uh, I think one is vague in potentially a positive way, um, or at least an encouraging way. The other is a little more ominous to me. So let's start with the ominous one. Uh, his comments on Doug Baldwin were interesting. He said, confirmed that he'd have that sports hernia surgery in April um, and didn't give an ETA for when he'd be done. And this is from Bob Condota. Um, he said that uh, Baldwin, quote, has some challenges to overcome to get healthy. So Don't we all? Yeah. <laughs> Tell me about <laughs> I mean, it. 
One of them Come is on, my man. own willpower. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one of them is waking up in the morning. Yeah. I um, but but with with Baldwin, I think uh, the understanding was that this was uh, his his toughest year, and, and he said that himself many times um, in in separate interviews, and uh, so. The understanding was that he was had multiple health issues, um, but I think not adding a specific timeline uh, when Pete Carroll, I think, leans more optimistic than some other coaches. Um, I mean, he calls like broken legs a leg thing. So <laughs> he, he no matter what, something sounds optimistic. If he says he's got a little knee deal, it's like sometimes it's like a, a knee strain or like an ACL thing and you're like I don't what is the knee deal what does it mean I mean but that's how he usually talks about injuries so um to me not being able to be as optimistic and say yeah we're hoping to have him back at camp or or whatever uh signals to me that they're uh waiting to see you know how Baldwin is going to respond um maybe there's some other stuff they're worried about or you know it takes a toll maybe you know they've had separate conversations with him I have no idea what that is but uh if you're a Seahawks fan that would certainly be concerning the positive one would be uh Bobby Wagner obviously Pete Carroll saying he's going to be a Seahawk uh doesn't confirm that they've got any kind of extension in the works but it's it's certainly uh some positivity as far as that goes number two I said positivity you certainly did Hey, I don't care. We've got four downs to get into the end zone, Stacy. We can we can botch a down here, maybe. Okay. Four opportunities. We got three more here to go. Really bad DVOA right now. Yeah, I mean your your efficiency in the red zone not wonderful. Maybe we can get it back. I'm a short target. Second down here to you, CJ Procise has been the mystery man on the Seahawks offense for as long as he has been in Seattle. He underwent abdominal surgery, one of many injuries he's had in his time here in Seattle. What is his role on the Seahawks in 2019? Um, You know, if Mike Davis was here, I would say there would be a little more concern if you're C.J. Procise about uh, what role you can fill without Mike Davis, who is um, Seattle's consistent number two running back, Uh, there's plenty of room there to take over behind Chris Carson. Uh, I mean, further, I don't expect Seattle to uh, extend CJ Procise, um, but he's still on his rookie contract. So you've got someone in here who has a high ceiling and is really cheap. So, um, you know, I feel like, you know, we say this regularly, but if he can stay healthy, uh, he's got a chance to make a real difference on that offense. That just remains to be seen. Number three. Third down. That was a better second down with, you know, not productivity. It was efficient. How did you? Productivity. Productivity. I'm very productive. There we go. Mel Kuyper, he's also very productive. His latest mock draft has the Seahawks taking a guard with their first pick. Is that the move you feel they should make? You know, we all have our mountains that we're willing to die on. Uh, mine is that uh, Meghan Markle should be queen and and is an, an amazing person. Is she in line for that? Is that how the, the no, order works? No, it's fine. Um, I feel like Mel Kuyper Jr.'s is that the Seahawks should always get an O-lineman. Like, like without fail. If they don't get an O-lineman, they have a horrible draft grade. 
And and what they should do is always address the offensive line. And here's the thing. You've got a good point, right? They were really struggling. Uh, they made some improvement last year in pass blocking efficiency going from 29th to 17th uh, on pro football focus. Um, even then, you'd want to see more improvement. But I just think that the the biggest issue that if, if I'm general manager and I'm calling the shots that I want to address, it's on the defensive side of the ball, starting with the defensive line, that pass rush. Um, and I think you're seeing that with their moves uh, in free agency. The last three people they've been linked to are two uh, rushing uh, outside linebackers and, and or edge rushers. Nick Perry. Exactly. And another defensive tackle, Earl Mitchell. Fair so enough. I think that... <laughs> <laughs> Dang it, Curtis. Well, I had to. <laughs> um, so I think it's clear that that's an issue. They're certainly looking to to make some affordable additions. At Mel Kuyper, when I look at his draft, his mock drafts all the time, and his, his analysis, whenever he hitches his wagon to a guy, like goes way out on a limb and is willing to die on hills for guys. I just feel like that's we what do he's that in, most wrong. Yeah, and I just feel like we do that in sports media sometimes in general. It's almost encouraged to like stick with your take no matter what. Even if you're just jarringly wrong. And the thing is, he's not wrong per se. Every team is going into the draft with several positions of need. The offensive line is arguably one for Seattle, but you could also argue that with Upati, they they have their five starters plus fan heading into the season. It's not deep. You've got some issues there. Maybe you want to plan for the future with uh, guys like Justin Britt becoming a free agent soon, um, or Dwayne Brown even. But again, like it's I just don't know. To me, it's it's like you said. It's him hitching his wagon to something and being like, nope, this is what it is. Number four. Fourth down, one last opportunity to get in the end zone. Put seven on the board. Stacy, Curtis. <laughs> We're so good at identifying ourselves. Thank you. What have you identified as your biggest takeaway from Pete, Ter- Pete Carroll today? Ugh, man, there's a lot. Overall... I'm going to say that uh, there just wasn't a ton. And uh, I think that they've got a lot in the works and they know that the pressure's on and they're not willing to divulge a lot of information. That's not uncommon for NFL franchises, especially not for this one. But um, I think when when teams want you to hear good things and talk about good things, they're they're quick to tell you about them. So I think it's clear that um, that they've, got a lot of pressure that's my interpretation of it I don't know for sure but that's how I'm taking it any kind of lack of information says that to me um the the small little kind of like trivia bit of trivia that I took away uh was actually posted by Brady Henderson who we have coming up here uh at eight o'clock uh he talked about Pete Carroll saying that Michael Kendricks could potentially be used at that strong side linebacker situation Seattle brought him in to replace uh an injured KJ Wright uh, on the weak side, so it would be interesting to see all three linebackers on the field. That is four down territory here on Seattle Sports at night. As we just teased, Brady Henderson, he joins us. Coming up after the break, Curtis Rogers, Stacy Ross right here, holding it down on Seattle Sports Tonight on 710 ESPN Seattle.